0: Hello, good evening, and welcome to our Saturday night episode of Brett's Old Time Radio Show. How are you doing? Okay. I hope you're ready to just kick back and relax on a Saturday because to me, that's kind of what Saturdays and weekends are all about, isn't it? Just chilling out and relaxing and, and a little bit of Brett's Old Time Radio Show. We've had a good day today. We're in Spain, as you may know. If you check out our social media, you'll be able to see just a few of the little video clips that we've done just down on the beach and enjoying, really, how quiet it is everywhere. It's so quiet, even though the sun's been shining and it's been a lovely day. It's definitely been T-shirt weather, but it's been really quiet anywhere. So make sure you check out our social media. We've got Instagram, Facebook, we've got YouTube. They're all called Brett's Old Time Radio Show, so go take a little look. Now then, with it being a Saturday, we have, of course, got an episode of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This one was first broadcast on the 17th of August, 1950.
1: It's called The Mickey McQueen Matter. Now from Hollywood, it's time for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Mickey McQueen,
2: Johnny. How are
3: you? Oh, Mickey, I tried to phone you a couple of times. I never reached you.
2: I'm out a lot these days, Johnny.
3: Hey, I heard about your protectionist sergeant, Mickey. I'm nice going.
2: Well, it isn't good. They're taking my meat away from me, putting me behind a desk. I, I've got to talk to a friend about it. Will you be home tonight?
3: You really sound worried, Mickey. What is it?
2: Oh, nothing yet, Johnny, but. There'll be murder before it's finished. My mind's made up. I want to talk to you about it.
3: Sure, Mickey. I'll be here anytime you want to come up.
1: Edmund O'Brien, in another adventure of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs>
3: account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to whom it may concern, Hartford Police Headquarters, Hartford, Connecticut. I don't expect you to honor this statement, but since the reports to my regular employers go in on these forms, the following is an accounting of my expenditures during my personal investigation of the Mickey McQueen matter. It's been my privilege to have worked a number of cases with Mickey McQueen here in Hartford, and through the years, a friendship developed between us. So when he phoned Tuesday night to say he wanted to talk to me, I was glad to ask him over. But when it got to be 1.30 in the morning and he still hadn't arrived, I wasn't so glad. He arrived at 2.
2: I'm sorry I'm late, Johnny. Yeah. Ah, what well, held you up? I was about to drop off. I had to take Charlie. Ah, you're in uniform, Mickey. What about your bait? my beat Hmm. my beat won't miss me after 20 years of walking it from dark to dawn checking its doors and passing the time of night with its people drunk and sober yeah
3: is it too late for a drink Mick? i got your brand some irish
2: yes that was good of you i i've been a good policeman Johnny. i can say that without sounding like i am stuck on myself can't i now?
3: well i've never heard anybody say anything else mickey
2: I've got more friends to my credit than I have a But I've got a quiet
3: beat. I think there are quieter beats in town. Maybe you're lucky.
2: Here's to it. All right. But be careful what it is. There's murder being done and planned right this minute, Johnny. Them that can stop it don't have a heart right or wrong. What are you talking about, Mickey? I know what I'm talking about. Are you feeling all right? Feeling all right, I'm as healthy as I was yesterday, if I don't know. I didn't see you yesterday. If they're taking my job, putting me behind a desk, a degrading end for a man that's been active for 20 years. After 20 years on your feet, you should take a rest. You've earned one. The very words of garnish, Johnny. But, Johnny, I. Yeah, Mickey? Ah, never mind. The devil take them all. I've used up enough of your time. Wait a minute.
3: You came over to talk about something more than your new job. What's this stuff about murder being planned and being done? I shouldn't have said it. I wish you'd forget it. What's the matter with you? You know me well enough to tell me, and you know me well enough to know I'll keep any confidence you want me to keep. You're a good friend, Johnny.
2: Maybe that's why i changed my mind about telling you. Then
3: why'd you come over?
2: Because I thought I was going to talk to you. But I'm not.
3: Hmm? All right, it's your business. But you're acting like a kid, Mickey. Now, if you don't have anything to say to me, it's after two. I may have a job in the morning. All right, Johnny. I'm sorry I
2: bothered you. I'll say goodnight.
3: I didn't sleep very well for the rest of the night. The sort of a half doze, parts of Mickey's conversation kept coming back to me. And the more sleep I lost over it, the more I wished I'd been less grumpy and more sympathetic... There wasn't a job for me the next day, and right afternoon I decided to drop by his apartment and find out his mood when he was off duty. Mickey's apartment occupied the ground floor of a house not far from her. I could hear a woman crying somewhere inside. I smelled domestic trouble, but I pushed the buzzer anyway.
4: Hey, you... Yeah,
3: I'm Johnny Dollar friend of Mr. McQueen's.
4: Oh, yes. Johnny Dollar. He said to phone you if I ever needed. Is he home? In there.
3: She pointed in the direction of a door smaller than the outside door. The door to either a bathroom or a closet.
5: closet.
3: The clothes were bunched at one end of the rod. And from the other, still in uniform, his own polished leather belt drawn tightly around his neck, hung Mickey McQueen. I walked back into the lace-curtained living room. The girl who had let me in didn't go with the furnishings. She was young, attractive, and her shoulder-length white blonde hair might have been natural. She had stopped crying, and she acted as if she were waiting for me to start somehow.
4: Well, what about it? Do you explain yourself or do I get three guesses? Never mind that look. I only live here.
3: Ah. Well, I didn't know Mickey had a daughter.
4: Thanks for the compliment, but I'm his wife.
3: I uh, didn't know he had a wife either. Maybe he
4: was ashamed of me. My name's Thelma.
3: I'm sorry, Thelma.
4: You an old friend of Mickey's.
3: Yeah, but he never told me about you.
4: Have you seen him lately?
3: Last night. First he phoned me, then he came by to talk to me
4: say
3: i'm not sure he was pretty handy with double talk maybe i was supposed to understand it but i didn't
4: what was it about
3: about his job the change he was making something about murders being planned and done and nobody doing anything to stop them
4: then he didn't tell you what that i was leaving him
3: he's never mentioned you why were you leaving
4: him because it was all wrong I never should have married him in the first place. Why did you? Because he was the kindest, most wonderful man who ever lived. Does that answer your question?
3: Not quite, is there more?
4: Did you know his first wife? Yeah. Well, I guess you know he took her death pretty hard. They'd been married ten years. I met him after she died. He was lonely, and I was... He was pretty wonderful to me. I thought I could help him. It wasn't because of him I was leaving. It was me. But I never thought he'd do this.
3: I don't think he did. What do you mean? I think he was murdered.
4: But why?
3: When did you find him?
4: I came home about a half an hour before you got here.
3: You phoned the police?
4: No, not yet. I didn't know what to do.
3: Where had you been?
4: I told you I was leaving him. Been living in a hotel. Does it matter?
3: Why'd you come back?
4: To get some things I'd left. Why are you asking me these things?
3: When it's murder, there's bound to be a lot of questions.
4: I don't think it was. Everybody loved him. He didn't have an enemy in the world. Why would anybody want to kill a man like Mickey McQueen?
3: I didn't have an answer for that, but I started there in the house to try to find one. If it was murder by hanging, I knew it couldn't have been committed without a fight. But a half hour search didn't uncover any traces of a struggle. I phoned in a report and left Thelma and the apartment. For the rest of the day, I tried to talk myself into leaving the matter in the hands of the police where it belonged. But I couldn't do it. That night, I started making the rounds of Mickey's beat. I talked to a corner magazine vendor who had sold him a dime mystery, a woman in a cigar store who had talked with him, and a cabbie who had borrowed five bucks from him. None of them gave me anything helpful. My next stop was the Cedric Hotel, where I looked up the house detective, Ned Martin.
6: Oh, darling, what are you doing in this end of town? Looking for work?
3: How are you, Martin? I got a night off. I'm taking a postman's holiday. Did you hear about Mickey? His promotion?
5: Yeah, he deserved it.
3: I didn't mean that. He's dead. Now, what happened? He was found hanging in his own clothes closet. What devil? Come on in the office where we can talk. Sit down. Oh, Mickey, i will missing. So will I. Uh, did you see him last night? Yeah, he dropped in. He always did once or twice a night just to shoot the breeze, you know? Why'd he do it? Did he leave a note or anything? I think he was murdered. What makes you say that? He came over to see me about 2.30 this morning. There was something on his mind. He wanted to talk, but he wouldn't. That figures. What do you mean? I noticed something about him last night. He was real low. I asked him what was the matter. He said it was because it was his last night on this beat you was supposed to check into his new job today, but yeah, that didn't sound right to me. Did you know he had a wife? Yeah, I heard about it, and then I hounded him until he showed me her picture. Platinum blonde? Yeah, I looked like it, and young. I didn't want to embarrass him by asking, but I wondered about her. What makes you think it was murder, Dollar? So you think Mickey was the type to kill himself? Well, no, but how can you tell? Yeah, I guess you can. not All you can do is try to find out.
5: Well,
3: if you don't have anything more, I'll be on my way. Wait a minute. Hmm? I guess it was a dirty trick and I wish I hadn't done it, but I snooped that marriage. I found out who she was. Her name was Thelma Weaver. She did a couple of years in Joliet. Where'd you get that? Well, things like that don't stay hidden. I'd drop it if I were you. I really would. What are you holding out on me?
2: It's for your own good, Johnny.
3: I'll shake it out of you if oh. I have to. <laughs> okay, hero. You know Fred Koo, the Calcutta club over on Bartlett? I know of him. He's a police informer, isn't he? Part-time. If you won't take my advice and forget it, go talk to him. And don't tell him who sent you. Fred Koo, as the department knows, is half-oriental. The day coroner's joined the Calcutta is Indian because he can get the effect with no more expensive decoration than reed matting and coconut husks. The place was small and was jammed when I got there by a crowd that was largely male. I didn't recognize a face, but from the atmosphere, I got the feeling I could have retired on 10% of the bail bonds they bought in their time. I found Fred Koo leaning against a potted palm. What do you want? I want to talk to you about Mickey McQueen. Do you have an office?
7: You a uh, cop, too?
3: Only a private one. As a friend of Mickey's.
7: Oh. Sure. Roy. Yes? I'm in my office for a little while. If there's any trouble, you buzz me. What else, Come on. Uh, this way. Well, you got
3: quite a crowd, my friend.
7: Oh, sure. Sometimes I get a lot of out of town trade. Did you see Mickey last night? No, I didn't. I get along time with Mickey. He won't take any payoff, but he doesn't push me around. Uh, how is he? Do you know his wife? His wife? I didn't even know he was married.
3: Her name was Thelma Weaver before Mickey married her. Some time in Joliet.
7: Oh? Well, why do you bother me with this? I got work to do.
3: You knew Mickey was dead?
7: No. I did not know that.
3: I don't see how it would be enough, but it struck me that if somebody knew he was married to an ex-con, they might try to use the information.
7: I suppose you're right. Yeah?
6: Roy, Fred. I think you'd better come out. Important? Yes, I think so.
7: Be right out. Pardon me, Dollar. A little trouble outside. Uh, You wait here. I'll come right back. I waited.
3: And while I did, I took a quick look around the office for another way out in case I might need it. There wasn't any unless the sealed door in one of the walls was there. But before I could try it, the other door opened. I wasn't expecting Fred Koo to return so quickly, and neither was I expecting who did come in. I
4: didn't expect to find you here, Mr. Dollar.
3: Likewise, Mrs. McQueen. I was
4: looking for Mr. Koo. What for? I thought I might help. Mickey kept his notebook, you see, where he wrote down all the places he stopped when he made his round. This place was one of them. I thought if I could talk to this Mr. Coo. Do you know Fred Coo? No.
3: Do you know anybody named Weaver? Thelma Weaver?
4: All right, mister, that's enough. Reach.
3: Don't be crazy. What good would that do?
4: Stay where you are and don't try anything. I really mean it.
3: She looked like she really meant it. It was a small revolver, Colt Twenty Five. I didn't know whether she'd come in meaning to use it on Fred Koo or me. But it didn't make much difference. At the moment... She had it pointed at my midsection.
5: section.
1: One of your long-time mystery favorites, Philip Marlowe, is now to be heard on CBS on Friday nights. Philip Marlowe, up for parole and songs for sale. That's the lineup of fine shows for Friday. Now on most of these same CBS stations. Hear them this Friday, hear them every Friday on CBS. The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, Up for Parole, and Songs for Sale. And now, back to our star, Edmund O'Brien, in the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: I couldn't figure she held her little revolver as if she was used to the feel of it, but there had been something accuracy about the way she said reach. I couldn't figure her, but I decided not to take a chance. I grabbed up the inkwell from the desk and threw not it, but the contents
5: of it. Hey! What's the
3: Okay? Drop it. Don't... Drop it! Ah!
5: Drop
3: it. Now sit down.
4: All right, what do you want?
3: It depends on what you want.
4: I told you. I want to find out who killed Mickey.
3: At the apartment earlier today, you didn't think anybody had. What about it?
4: All right, Johnny. How much do you know?
3: Your name was Thelma Weaver that you spent two years in Joliet. That's
4: right. After two years in that place, I didn't want to go back to that life and start all over again. I gave the bunch in Chicago the slip and came here. That's how I met Mickey. He arrested me. Vagrant. He showed up in court the next morning and got me released from his custody. I really felt for the first time like I could start life over.
3: I know it sounds corny. But good. You make it sound real good.
4: You don't believe me, do you?
3: Sure. I believe you as far as you've gone. I even believe the part about starting a new life. You saw that Mickey had a heart as big as the city, and you didn't lose any time moving into it. That was smart. It was about the safest hiding place you could have found. For you, but not for Mickey.
4: How did I know about Fred Pooh or the kind of man he is? Somebody spotted me and told me. He didn't was waste any time getting in touch with Chicago.
3: Those men out there, are they all from Chicago?
4: Most of them. Just about the tall one. Talks with an English accent.
3: Yeah, I remember him. Roy.
4: That's him. He came first. Checked the possibilities on Mickey's beat. Found out about Mickey's being moved over to a new job.
3: Where was he being moved?
4: Some desk job. Where? The police arsenal.
3: The arsenal? How'd he find that out?
4: I told him. I had to. He made me tell him.
3: What are Roy's plans, do you know? Yes.
4: Marquardt building. The one that has all the wholesale jewels.
3: No, that's no good. Mickey was supposed to help them with a job of that size, or they'd reveal that he was married to an ex-con. That's not enough. They must have more than that.
4: I might as well tell you, He can't hurt me now any more than I've been hurt. His name's Roy Weaver. I'm married to him. He threatened to bring bigamy charges unless Mickey helped him.
3: That'd do it. With your record, bigamy would be a long stretch.
4: Five years. Mickey would do almost anything other than cause me that. Who killed him? Roy did. I wasn't there, I swear I wasn't. They met him after he got through work at 5.30 this morning.
3: Why did they kill him?
4: Mickey was all ready for his new job. He had the keys to the arsenal.
3: Here's your gun. If you're on the level, you may need this, and the caliber's too small to do me any good. What are you going to do? I'm going to the police.
4: Why not use the phone? It'll be
3: tapped. That bunch would be in here before I got started.
4: I wouldn't try it if I were you.
3: Where are you going, Tom? I'm going home. I was waiting for Fred Coo, but I guess he decided not to bother. Fred had to leave.
6: Did Mrs. Weaver entertain you with her sordid story? Yeah, it was very pleasant. <laughs> She's a charming girl. And you were going home to think about it. Ah, yeah, if you don't mind. Get out of my way. No, I'm afraid I do mind. I couldn't chance having Fred interrupt at the arsenal, could I? Carl? Yeah? Uh, get out of
5: my way. Hey,
6: hey, where are you going? Come on, come on. Come on, come get out of here. <laughs> That's fine, Carl? Now, should we go back to the office and wait? Bring the lock, Carl. If you became involved in this, Dollar, I'd hope there wouldn't have to be any more violence.
4: You did stop him.
6: Yes. Thanks for the buzz, darling.
4: It was a pleasure. Look what the skunk did to my dress. Fred get started all right?
6: He's well on his way. Should will be back within the hour. Hey, Mr. Weaver, what do we do with this guy? Keep him out of the way. Uh, put him in there. See that he stays quiet. Sure. Hey, you. Turn around. Hey! <coughs>
3: At least I found out what was behind the steel door I'd noticed earlier in the evening. When my eyes opened and I got accustomed to the light from a single dust-covered bulb, I realized that I was in a sort of wine cellar. There were some bottles, but most of the storage space was taken up by a large and varied assortment of burglar tools. And there were a few weapons, too, but I knew that they were nothing compared to what Fred would bring back if the raid on the arsenal was successful. I glanced at my watch at 11.15, and right after that, I heard the heavy latch in the door being turned. I got back into my position on the floor, closed my eyes, and listened.
6: Don't forget the bars, Carl. We'll need them for the inside doors. Yeah, I got you. Hey, Benson, you take these. Now bring the rest. hey yeah. He went the guns in there, Mr. Wheeler? We won't need them. We won't need them. The Crocker? Yeah. Listen closely now. We're behind schedule. Both cars are in back. In the Buick, you'll find the things from the Arsenal. Yeah. I want you to move half of them over into the Cadillac. What about the grenades, Ray? Uh,
7: they're in a case marked CN DM, irritant gas M six.
6: You heard that? I got it. Open the case and put half in the Buick. Most important is the cordite powder for the vaults. There are two boxes. Put one in the trunk of each car. Right. Be careful. With the touchy stuff. I know. I've it little... All right. Get along then. And hurry. It won't take long. Now, Fred, you'll be in charge of one car. I'll be in the other. That's all right. We're agreed that we'll meet at the north entrance at a quarter past midnight, both to approach the building from the east on Lincoln.
7: Oh, that's the best.
6: We'll have dropped two men to guard the south entrance. Two of my men will subdue the guard at the north.
7: They better. They'll spring the alarm in big hurry. You
6: can trust me. they will just Thompson's. Selma?
4: Yes, sir? Where are you going? Don't
6: be so snoopy. I'm a part of my nose. You can with us.
4: All oh, right, if you
6: want me to. I don't need you, but I don't think I should feel safe without you, eh? Don't be long. I'll be right back. I think everything's ready for me in here, Mr. Weaver. Good. Go to the cars then, Carl. Uh, what about the Seamus Oh. We'll lock him up again. We'll decide what to do when we come back. Well, I guess he can't cause no harm in this.
3: I tried to force the door using one of the bars they left behind, but no luck. Then I started poking the cement walls. I knew better than to expect to find any other exit, but with the biggest burglary in the history of Hartford underway, I had to do something. I kept a check on the time, and it was twenty minutes before they were due to arrive at the Marquardt building. When a sound stopped me, the steel door was being opened. I moved behind it, still holding the bar. me you were here Damn. why should she call you well, how should i know? I don't even know who it was she just said she knew you came to the hotel and you were locked up in here i mentioned the cow cut it here came over to see what it was all about it's a matter don't you believe me i don't know what to believe you said you were holding something out on me when i talked to you i was i knew fred crew was telling me information about mickey's wife to some guns from chicago i knew it could have led to trouble well, why didn't you tell me you said it was for my own good and... i thought it was mine too I didn't want you to know, so much you'd have to tell where you learned to prove how smart you were. I don't like this kind of stuff. You got a car? Yes, but it stays right where it parked me you tell me what's going on. The Chicago bunch raided the police arsenal. They're armed with everything from cordite to tommy guns. They're going into the Marquardt building in less than 20 minutes. Uh, wholesale jewelers. Will you take me out there? I'll take you part way if you're crazy enough to want to go. That's good enough. Let's get back into the office. What, the police? Yeah. We could stop on the way. It'll take us 15 minutes to get to the market. too. We run into a patrol car on the way we'll stop it. If we don't, you can drop me and then phone in. Where's your car? At the speed we traveled, we should have at least picked up a traffic cop, but we didn't. Martin wouldn't take me any further than the corner of Atlantic and Milton. And we reached there at 12 minutes after 12. That gave me two minutes to get to the Marquardt building. I didn't make it before they arrived, but it didn't make any difference. Both cars had pulled up and were unloading men. From a doorway about 50 yards down, I spotted Fred Kuhl and Roy Weaver. Then I saw Thelma. She got out of the buick and started toward me. Thelma,
5: where are you going?
3: Weaver shouted at her, but she didn't answer. Instead, she stopped, and I saw the little gun glitter in her hand as she turned back to them. Then I saw what she was aiming at. The trunk of the Buick, where the cordite powder was. Help us, sonic! The car went up in a blast of powder and gasoline, and she moved back towards the other. Someone who had survived the first explosion opened fire on her. I saw her fall, but after she was down, she raised herself, and her last shot connected with the cordite from the second car. By the time I got to her, both cars were flaming wrecks. I picked her up and ran. Oh. You're all right now, Thelma.
4: Who is it? Johnny? Yeah. Where are we?
3: We're still near the market building. I'm going to get you to a hospital. I killed him. As far as I know,
4: yeah. I did a terrible thing, didn't I, Johnny? Yeah, pretty terrible. I'm not sorry. You wanted to stop them, but I couldn't let you. I wanted to get them all at once for what they did to Mickey.
3: Don't talk now.
4: Getting destroyed wouldn't have been enough. Would have been easy, but not enough. They were all in it. Was the only way. The court, I. Sure. Sure. you uh, Mickey wouldn't have liked me doing that, would he? He was so honest. He always had to do everything so legal.
3: Well, he wouldn't have liked it, maybe, but he might have been proud of you.
5: I am. Why are you, Johnny?
4: And you think he would have been?
5: You really do? Yeah, I do. I really do.
4: He was the best man that ever lived. Too bad I wasn't. Anyway, I took care of the bigamy. They can't send me back to (laughs) Joliet.
3: Thelma Weaver McQueen, as the department knows, was DOA, Emergency Hospital. None of the mob got out alive except Roy Weaver, who lived long enough to sign a confession of Mickey McQueen's murder. I want you to know that I may have lost a good friend, but you have lost a better policeman. I hope to see those early news accounts that called him a suicide corrected. Expense account total, zero dollars, zero cents. Yours truly, Johnny
1: Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production, 7-Eleven Ocean Drive. Featured in tonight's cast were Bill Conrad, Virginia Gregg, Ben Wright, Jim Nesser, and Dan O'Herlihy. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar was produced and directed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. Join us next week at this time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Every Thursday night, CBS brings you a top Hollywood star in a new radio play on the Hollywood theater. Comedy and melodrama, fantasy and mystery. Stay tuned now for the Hollywood theater, which follows over many of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, where Philip Marlowe takes the case every Friday night. The Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed our latest adventure with insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. We'll be back tomorrow with more adventure from The Saint. So Simon is going to be checking things out. Don't forget, we've got a supporter page at patreon.com forward slash Brett's Old Time Radio Show. If you fancy taking a little look, that would be much appreciated. Don't forget, I'll be with you seven days a week, each and every week, and I'll see you tomorrow on Brett's Old Time Radio Show. Love you. Bye.